Amen. Enjoyed camp just tremendously this week. We were tired. I, a lot of people, I think, went home and slept yesterday. It was just, it was tiring, but it was, you ever had a good tired? It was a good tired. And, and it was just a, just a blessing to being able to serve and to reach these kids. And, and just again, want to thank all the workers and everyone that went. It was just a, a great week. If anything that camp causes you, it causes you to get closer to Jesus Christ. Amen. Even as our adults, I, y'all don't know it or not, but we we actually had revival there this week, and with all these kids, and just it causes you want to go after Jesus more. Amen. Have you ever had something that you just really you just start doing it and just love doing it, want to do it more and more? It's fishing or hunting or maybe for y'all ladies going to the mall shopping and going to Walmart and whatever it may be. You just want to do of it. I remember um, when I was about 15 years old, I, I loved... How many of y'all like to deer hunt? I, we're in Arkansas. I know there's hands coming up. I, I, I love to go deer hunt. My first... I remember the first time and really... Even today, I love deer hunting, love bow hunting, love muzz loading, love my son. He would kill them with a rock if you could take rocks out there and kill them. If they had rock season, just love and very passionate. But one, one day is really what sparked it for me to really get to going and going after deer. His, my next door neighbor come down one day and he said, uh, I come to his house and he said, he said, George, you want to go hunting with me tomorrow? And I said, gun season's not here. At that time, all I was doing was gun hunting. He said, no, I've got a muzzleloader. Muzzleloading is in in the morning. I will load it for you. I said, I don't know how to shoot no muzzleloader. All that powder, I'll blow myself up. He said, no, I'll load it for you. Put a cap on there. All you've got to do is just go. I've got a spot for you to go. He said, you just raise it, cock the hammer, pull the trigger just like a regular gun. I said, easy enough. I can do that. We went out there and he put me on this place. He told me, he said, you're going to go up this road. You're going to see where the deer have been scraping and doing different things. And he said, just sit off the side of that road. You're going to, you're going to see a deer here in just a little bit. Well, lo and behold, I was there about 30 minutes and a deer come running by. And as soon as it stepped out in the road, I did what he said. I put it right on it. Pulled the trigger. He didn't tell me the thing was going to kick. <laughs> like it did and smoke blew out a mile. I just put it on and shot, boy, and boom! Smoke everywhere. And I was doing this trying to see my deer. I couldn't see nothing. And I looked out there and my deer was laying there and it was, it was kicking a little bit and then it quit. And I said, I can't believe it. I walked up to him. And, I, and if you've ever been hunting, I walked up to it and I looked in its eye and its eye looked at me. And that thing started trying to get up. And I, here I am. I didn't have a knife. I didn't have no powder. I didn't know how to reload. So what I did is I run all the way up this log road to the truck and I got up there and I thought he'd have a knife. All he had was a screwdriver. And I said, I'm not taking the screwdriver. So I set it down and I run all the way back down there and this deer and I got there and the deer was gone. And I said, oh my goodness, I finally killed my first bucket. And I looked and I heard something going up the side of the hill and it was staggering. You just got to be a hunter. I went up there. I wanted that deer so bad that I wasn't letting it get away. I grabbed that dude around the neck and the fight was on. It got its leg. This is the funny. I remember this. It got its back leg hung in my vest. And man, it was just a kicking. Throwing me around. I got it on the ground and got it still and didn't know what to do. Didn't have a knife. I took my vest off. Took my shirt off. It was a long sleeve funnel shirt. Y'all are going to laugh. 
But y'all, y'all ever seen these ropers rope baby calves and they rope them and they get off and they put them down and they... <laughs> that was me that morning at Brady Mountain. I tied that dude all of his legs together, tied them together, and it was going, Mah! Mah! And I was going, be quiet! And so I run to where my neighbor was at, got him out of his climbing stand, he let his bow down, he come down there, and he said, how big was he? He's a buck, you won't believe it, I got my first buck. And we, we was 50 yards, and you hear, Mah! He goes, what is that? I said, come on, I'll show you. It's my buck. We got down there to and he looked over, and he dropped his bow, and he fell to his knees, and he just went to laughing. And I said, quit laughing, finish it off. And he says, I can't, it's so funny. He said, I wish I had a camera back then. We didn't have digitals, you know, or nothing. But that sparked after that trip and, and, and just passing inside to go deer hunting. A lot of y'all that fish, it was sparked at you at a young age to go fishing. Somebody took you fishing and you got the fishing. Whatever it may be, passion, something about passion about that was stirred up inside of you. And it, and it works the same way in our spiritual lives today that we live in a country and generation now that needs to be stirred up to go hard after Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't raise your family today by just being a casual Christian. These days of just going to church and... Here, listen, we live in a time where sin is abounding everywhere. Things are happening. There's more things for our kids to get into now than we ever had growing up. I mean, when I was in high school, if you smoked pot, amen, and then you grandparents, a pot was something you had under your bed. So, things have really changed. There's so much to get into. There's drugs. There's all types of drugs. There's prescription drugs. It's, just, it's, it's, it's only in the internet now with the technology. You can gain access to anything at any time. And, and we need a generation. We need a church that will start going hard after Jesus Christ. We need parents that will go after Jesus. Amen? I know that's not popular preaching, but that's okay. We need to be passionate about our spiritual walk. We're passionate about sports. We're passionate about travel teams. We're passionate about dancing. We're passionate about hunting and fishing. We're passionate about everything the world has to offer. But when it comes to Jesus, don't get too excited. Amen? See how quiet it is in here? <laughs> that proves it right there. Did not get one amen. We don't get excited about Jesus because if you get excited, Brother George, we've heard you preach, you get excited and walk around and, and uh, you're not all Baptist. You're something else. Well, that's my life. I know I'm something else, but I love Jesus. Amen? Amen? We don't have time to be religious about Jesus. And that's where our churches and things are going today is we're really religious, but we're really low on relationship. Amen? And Jesus is all He wants is a relationship this morning. Just as these kids... Listen, parents. These kids came up this week and accepted Christ as their Savior by faith. We did not... Listen, I'm not a type of pastor that runs them through to say, hey, we need to be saved this week. Every child that came up was counseled. And I want to make really sure that they knew that what they were doing when they accepted Jesus Christ... Listen, I'm not into the numbers of how many we need saved. I want to make sure they really got got it. Amen? Yeah. 
really knew that they were coming up to accept Christ as their Savior. Not because of a friend was coming up. Not because they just wanted to come ask questions. There's a lot that we turned away that just asked questions. Amen? And so parents, I want you to be assured that if your child got saved this week, he was counseled and, and he knows what it means, or she knows what it means to accept Christ as their Savior. Michelle, go to Philippians chapter 3. This is where Paul, he was the most passionate man for Jesus Christ. Paul was a persecutor of the church before he got saved on the road to Damascus, whether you want to call it saved, born again, receiving Christ as your personal Savior. Whatever you want to call it this morning, Jesus changed your life. Amen? And when a person gets saved today, guys, it's not about turning over a new leaf. It's not saying, I'm going to do better. It's about you surrendering your heart to Jesus Christ and inviting Him in to be your personal Savior. Now, there's got to be a spirit that draws you to that. People say, well, I'll get saved. when Brother George, I'm not ready today. I know we're in church and, and it's crowded and they're already fanning and I'm not getting saved. I'll just get saved tomorrow night or I'll get saved... Listen, guys. God has to call you to salvation. The Holy Spirit has to draw... You don't get saved just when you want to. Amen? Amen. There has to be a drawing of God drawing you to Him. And Paul knew what this meant. And Paul here in these verses, he's kind of got a big board up and he's got a bunch of gains and he's got a bunch of losses here in his life. Basically what he's saying, on this side of the board, I'm putting the things that are fruitful in my life, things that really mean a lot to me, that are fruitful. And on this side of the board, I'm counting a bunch of things that I had to lose in my life to have Jesus as my Savior. That really are just material things, but these things on this side of the board are eternal. Now look what Paul says. He says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, of whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish. Some of y'all got King James, that means dung. And I don't have to explain what dung is. That I may gain Christ. Listen to that. Listen to Paul what he said. I count all this stuff as rubbish when in compared to Jesus Christ, there's not a whole lot means a whole lot except for Jesus in my life. Did you, think about this, guys. In 50 years, most of us, your houses, your cars, your job, what you own, all the money you got in your bank, in 50 and even 75 years, do you know what? That stuff won't mean nothing to you. And we work so hard on this earth to get all the material things. And God wants us to work. And He wants us to be happy. And He wants us to supply for our kids. But when we start getting into the mode of wanting stuff more than Jesus, Paul said, I was there. I count all that stuff rubbish compared to Jesus Christ now. I was a Pharisee of a Pharisee. I was born of a Hebrew, my lineage. I know the Pharisees' law. I grew up and they taught me the Old Testament law. I know what it means to have Bible knowledge. But even with Bible knowledge, all of that is nothing compared to my salvation in Jesus Christ. In a relationship, and we, listen guys, there, there's a lot of people confused in relationship with religious activity. There's a lot of people turned off today by the church because of religious activity. Amen? Amen? Amen. Are we still here with me? 
And I don't want to be a church that goes through a bunch of religious activity. I don't want to be a church that relies on their Baptist doctrine and their bylaws. Good Lord, there's a good one. There's more churches have church through their bylaws than the Holy Ghost-filled Word of God. We need to get back to the Bible and preaching what the Bible says. Amen? And listen, I know I was brought up Baptist and and this is probably why I get stamped this way. But that's alright. They can stamp me all they want. Because when I get in heaven, I can be Pentecostal all over you. Amen? It's about a relationship. It's not about a denomination. Amen? Bunch of you old-fashioned Baptists think you're the only ones going to heaven? Wrong. <laughs> that smile I was worried. <laughs> you Pentecostals in here think you're the only ones going to heaven? Wrong. I wish I had an <laughs> button. <laughs> Listen, I, was, I, I went to a Baptist seminary that taught that Baptists were the only ones in the bride of Christ. Isn't it amazing how we can get religious? Paul said, I went through all that. I persecuted, I killed the church because of my religion. But when I met Jesus on the road to Damascus and and He blinded me and I knelt down and humbled myself and invited Him in my heart as my Savior, He changed everything. He changed the whole way I looked at the church. I no more persecuted the church no more. I no more thought they were a bunch of hypocrites. I no more thought about just my denomination. I wanted to go hard after one man, the one that apprehended me. I want to go after him. And if you've been saved this morning, listen, if you've been truly saved, there's something inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit that is sitting there just wanting to get out and go after Jesus. Amen? It cannot help. If you're truly saved, it wants to get up. There's something in you screaming, saying, Go after him. Amen. Go after him. Go after him. There's some in this church. Well, I would like to do this, but I can't. Go after him. That's right. You know, I would really like to teach in this church and help with children like Jay. Go after him. We, have, we just have not enough Christians going after him. And what do you, what do you mean, Brother George, by going after him? I'm talking about more than just listening to Brother George on Sunday. Hey, I'm glad y'all's here. It's a full house. I'm going to preach to you. But we've got to learn as Christians to go after God during the week. Because something's going to happen. The devil's going to come. A trial's going to come. Fiery darts are coming at you this week. And and Brother George isn't going to be there preaching. And you're going to have to kneel down somewhere and say, Jesus, I can't... Listen... Everything I'm doing on my job, everything I'm working for, everything in my marriage, these kids I'm trying to raise, all of that is rubbish compared to you. If I can get you in the right place, then everything else will work out in my life. It's called seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then I'll add to you. Amen? And so let's not be a religious church. Amen? Let's not put on... Well, never wear a tie and a jacket. Let's some of them... You can't preach without a suit. I've heard people say, you can't go to church without a tie. Wear your best. Here's what I say. Wear your best. That's right. But Jesus looks at the heart whether you're in a suit and a tie or you're dressed nicely. Amen? Now listen. 
Don't take that and let the devil run with it. I'm not all in for wearing anything to church and let it all fall out and everything else. Amen? That's not what I'm saying. You know if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit will convict you on which direction you need to go with that. But I'm telling you, I've tried it. I preach no better in blue jeans than I do dress slacks. I've tried it. I'm no more anointed. Amen? It's not about my religion. It's about my relationship. How close was I to Jesus last week? How many people did I influence last week with Jesus? And that's what Paul said, that's what I'm going after. I want to influence people. Paul said, I have a past. But I'm not worried about... Look what he said. Go to the next verse, Michelle. He says, I want to be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. Hey, in my own righteousness, I'm nothing but just filthy rags. When I got saved, Christ took away my righteousness and covered me with His righteousness. Now when God, Paul said, when God looks at me, He doesn't see... When you're a saved child of God, after you're saved, you're clothed in the righteousness of God. Now when you get saved, you look like you're the same on the outside. Don't think that you got saved and lost 15 years. Amen? Or you get baptized, I'm telling you, if I take you in the water, that wrinkle's going to be there when you come back out. But you are new on the inside. You are new. And that is a part of us that lives for eternity. And Paul said, if it was left up to me, all they would see is my righteousness. But when I got saved on the road to Damascus and God come in and saved me and I accepted Him as my Savior, He said, now when people look at me, He said, yes, I have a past. Everybody knows that I persecuted and killed Christians. Everybody knows that I threw them in jail. I, Paul said, when I first started preaching, I'd come to towns and they'd run. They were scared of Saul of Tarsus. Now I'm the Apostle Paul because old things have passed away and all things have become new in my heart. I count all things rubbish now compared to Christ. He said, if I don't have Christ, I'm empty on the inside. Amen? How many of y'all have ever felt empty? Man, it's the worst feeling in the world is to be empty. And a lot of us feel empty because of our past. A lot of us feel empty because of sin in our lives. A lot of us feel empty for past mistakes. And Paul said, listen guys, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life. But there's one thing I do. One thing. I've got to forget those things in the past and look forward to where Jesus is leading me today. How many of y'all have a past in here? That's almost everybody. If you didn't, let me let you in a little secret. You do. <laughs> Amen? We all have a past. We are all embarrassed from something that's in our closet. How many of y'all believe that? And Paul said, listen, I can't go back and change my past, but I can change the meaning of my past. He says, and be found in Him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. It wasn't through good works. It wasn't through just going to church every Sunday, but which is through the faith, which is in Jesus Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. He says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Boy, that, if we stopped right there, that'd be a great... That's a revival verse. Wow! Power in the blood. Amen. We sing about it. We talk about it. There's power in the blood. But hold up. 
Not only when you're in the mountain feeling the power and the blood, Paul said, I want to know Him when I'm having trials. I want to know Him when I'm having a bad Monday. <laughs> Amen? I want to know Him when I'm not doing good in my marriage. I want to know Him when I'm fussing and fighting with my teenage kids. I want to know Him when my job's not going well and i got a whole lot more money, a whole lot more bills than I do money. <laughs> Wish it was the other way around. <laughs> He says, I want to know Him when things are going good, but He says, Lord, teach me in my relationship, not about religion, not about religious activity. Lord, in my relationship with You, I want to be with You. There's times I'm going to have to suffer. There's times I'm going to... When's the last time some of us suffered going to church? Somebody's going, Brother Jordan, my air was out this morning. That's not suffering. Well, it's hot in here. Y'all's air conditioner don't work very good. That's not suffering. Just a little faster, brother. Amen. Because see, here's where we are today in church. Everything's got to be just right or we cannot go. Because you know what? We can all excuse ourselves from going to church. He preaches too long, singing too loud. The air conditioner don't work to about 15 minutes in, you got a fan. It's too crowded in the parking lot. We got to go to lunch at 12. Baptist tradition, 12 o'clock. Preachers after that, they're no more anointed. 12. <laughs> Amen. Religion. Fellowship of his suffering and being conformed. To, he said, Lord, whatever it takes, conform my lifestyle to you. If it means suffering for you, I'll suffer. If it means getting rocked and stoned out of jail for preaching your word, let them rock me. But Lord, I still count all that rubbish compared to you. Because you are the best thing I ever got in my life is a relationship with you. Go to the next one, Michelle. And by any means that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Next one. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus... Here's the key. You do what you do for Christ because He lay hold of you first. Amen. I love these people that try to work their way to heaven. Guys, listen. There's not a work you can do and there's not a good enough work you can give money to every charity in Hot Springs. You can give every money you want in the plate, and you need to, amen? Oh, the preacher's preaching again. You can give to every child. You can give to coach for kids. You can do all this. You can be a morally nice person and not cuss. I know, I know some morally lost people that are better acting than some saved people. Amen? They're lost and don't know Jesus, but their lifestyle, there's something wrong with that picture. It's not about working. Paul said, the reason I go after Christ is because He touched me and changed my heart forever on that road to Damascus. And now I go after Him because He got a hold of me first. And that's why, that's why we go to church. That's why I, I preach because Jesus got a hold of me. And I want you today to experience the same thing. Amen? I mean, listen, I know some of you may not be too excited about it, but that's alright. He, maybe He'll get a hold of you before we leave here. If anything else, think about where you want your kids to go. Where do you want your marriage to go? Not because this preacher said it, because you need Jesus in the time that we live in. Not because I say it. Open the Bible up and read. We got to lay hold of Christ because He touched us. 
You can't work your way to heaven. But here's what you do work for after you do get saved. When a person truly gets saved, man, all they want to do is give back to Jesus. They're so humble. They're so loving. Is All they talk about, they don't talk about I. Well, you know, we have testimonies, but there's also a lot of I-monies in the church. Amen? It's nothing about Paul said, hey, it's nothing about me, my pedigree, my prestige. It's all about Jesus. I am what I am by the grace of God. You say, well, Brother George, how do I get more God in my life? You're going to, have to, stop. You're going to, have to start living forward, not in your past. Paul said, one reason why I can keep going after Christ is I haven't spiritually arrived. Amen? Now, just because you've been in church for 50 years doesn't mean that you know it all. Amen. Even though we have some churches that feel that way and some in here may feel that way. If you ever get to the point where I've been in church and I, I know what's going to happen, they're going to take up the offer and they're going to, then they're going to do this. I've been here for 50 years. That's religious. That's not a relationship. When you... Get to the place where you've never had spiritually arrived and you keep adding to your faith. I'm not going to read it, but in 2 Peter 1, he talks about adding to your faith. How many of y'all need more patience? Uh-huh. How many of y'all need some more joy? How many of y'all need to be more long-suffering? How many needs more faith at times? See, you haven't arrived. You may think you have, but you've been playing the religious the religious game. When you have a relationship and you're going after Christ, you're never too old to learn something. Amen? Yeah. Boy, we need some teachable Baptists in here today. Amen? Yeah. I mean, that are willing to say, hey, I've been here 40 years, but you know And you know what? I think revival would break out into a lot of churches. Their motto is, we ain't never done that before. That's their mind. Hey, if they would quit thinking they spiritually arrived, they know how to do church and know all of it is, you know what? Their house would fill up if they would just quit doing what they've always done and do something for Jesus out of a relationship and not religious activity. We got churches dying all over this county. And I'm not preaching, hey, tradition is good if it's leading people to Christ. But if it's just keeping you where you're at, and, and, and you know, you can only ride a dead horse so long. It's just like these kids. I, 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 I didn't take a survey and I didn't ask no questions, but some of y'all are probably saying, oh my goodness, they did rap music down there at that church camp. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I probably don't want to see it. You know, they, they was rapping, beating drums, or dancing. <gasps> Baptists can't dance anyway. It wasn't dancing. <laughs> listen, guys, the methods, listen, the message is always, always the same. It's about Jesus Christ. And listen, as a pastor of this church, listen, if I ever deviate away from that, I'm wrong. But as long as I'm preaching a gospel message and through this church camp, if it's through dancing, I'll preach it. Amen. Amen? If it's through rap, well, we don't like rap. It's not for you. I told some members at my first church, we, we did praise, and I'm not getting into the music thing because some people like old and some like new. That's why there's church for everybody. Amen? Amen, Brother George. 
And uh, I, my first church I was going to, we had, boy, we started building a youth group and we was listening to praise music back there and the kids related to it and the message was in it of Jesus. And bless her heart, one little lady come to me, been there about 116 years, and said, Brother George, we don't like that kind of music. And I said, baby, it's not for you, it's for these kids. If we don't change our methods, we're going to lose this generation. Amen? We are going to lose the kids. And if you want to be stumped in your religious, traditional, religious heart and not see more kids saved, you're probably not going to like me. Amen? Because we need to go after this generation and go after them hard with the plan of salvation of Jesus Christ. The method, message stays the same. Our methods have to change. Amen? Can I get one little amen make me feel better? I'm going to start and play preach on tithing. But listen, if you don't believe that, that's okay. I mean, if you don't agree with me on that, that's okay. I'm not going to lose this generation while I'm pastoring this church. That's right. Amen? we got a lot of young people, young kids coming. Like I said, all the stuff we do in 50 years, it's not going to matter. One thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, you say, Brother George, I would, man, I, I love your church. I would love to know Jesus as my Savior today. I would love to invite Him in my heart. You don't know my past. Who could have a worse past than the Apostle Paul? Killing somebody for worshiping. Beating them and throwing them in jail. And you know what? Here's what I really think, and this is the power of God. I can't find it nowhere, but I believe it may have happened in the Word somewhere. The same person that, that Paul had beat and stoned for worshiping, I think when he was on his three missionary journeys, because you know what goes around comes around a lot of times, and I think he was going in these churches and, and starting churches, and, and one little old man comes up to him with a Bible, you know, part of the Bible, and says, Paul, you remember me? Paul says, no, I don't, I don't remember you. You're the one that beat me 20 years ago and put me in jail for serving the same Christ that you preaching the power of the resurrection on is today. And that little old man could have every right to say, I'll never forgive you. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and a saved, born-again believer, I believe he said, Paul, you beat me, you put me in prison. I mean, I remember you saying all the stuff you were saying, but He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen, Paul. And I think Paul said, Amen, brother. It's all rubbish. It's all rubbish compared to Jesus. Amen. And I think Paul hugged him and said, I'm wrong, brother. Forgive me. Let's let the Holy Spirit bring us in unity and let's worship Jesus together. Amen. Man, can we do that in this generation? Amen. Can we forgive each other and hold each other and say, Let's worship. Let's quit fighting over denomination stuff. Amen. Man, that's a burr in my side. If you're in Christ this morning, we're we're listen, if you're covered by the blood of Christ, you may be visiting. Don't matter to me. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. If you know Jesus. Now we're just not twins, amen. 
but we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, I wish we could get our churches to come together and preach Christ. We would see a revival. And it doesn't matter what your past is. Paul said, I forget those things, which are in the past. I'm looking forward to my high calling. There's more out there for me. You've got to have a short memory. Mike Ditka said, you need to be humble when you win. You need to be humble when you lose. You've got to have short memory. You say, Brother George, Paul had short memory. I'm sure a lot of his church members were probably the ones he threw in jail. But he had short memory. He forgot. You say, oh, I just can't forget about what so-and-so did to me in that church. You can't, but the love of Christ can clothe you and His forgiveness can cause you to help forget and move on. Amen? Maybe the reason you can is because you hadn't given that thing to Jesus. Amen? Here's what most of us do. We'll run to the altar and say, i got to give it to Him. Today, I'm giving it to you, Jesus. I'm laying it at the foot of the cross. Lord, help me forgive that situation. Lord, give me a short memory, Lord. Please help me forget my past. And you'll turn to walk off and say, Hold up a minute. Might need that next time I get depressed. Because see, every time you have a pity party, the only person you're inviting is the devil. That's the only one that's coming is the devil and his demons. Let's do this real quick. How many of y'all drove your vehicle here this morning? Now, you either drove or you rode a horse and buggy, one of the two. You might want to raise your hand. All right, when you left out there and you drove, when you pulled out of your driveway, what was you looking through? Windshield. I don't know about y'all, but in that, the Mustang had a pretty windshield in it. I mean, it, it was beautiful. Now that we got this Toyota Venza and my walkers in the back, it's got, man, its windshield is so big. Have y'all seen it? It goes on an angle, and I'm telling you, that windshield looks like it goes from here to Donnie. Down. I mean, it's a big old windshield. And y'all won't believe what happened last week on Wednesday night coming to church. I have not learned. When I left out, I used the front windshield. But there's times I have to use my rearview mirror. Well, last two Wednesday nights ago, me and Melvin's on the way to church, to services. I get right past Valero. And I'm in this new car and I'm not used to it yet, okay? That's what I told her. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. It's got this side view mirror, but then in the corner, it's got another little hooking mirror, little bitty thing. And Mevlin says, well, I said, what's that thing cracked for? She said, it's got two mirrors. She said, you look in the outside and you can see further back behind you and you see the regular side view mirror. I had my rearview mirror looking at my windshield. I'm coming to church right past Valero. I look in my rearview mirror, nothing. Look in the side view mirror. I look in the regular mirror and I look in the little bitty mirror. I mean, I could see a quarter mile back here in that thing. Now, I did not do this, I will admit, because if I don't tell y'all, she's going to preach to me all the way home. I did not put my blinker on. I looked, 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 looked. You ever done it? Y'all done You're guilty. The Holy Spirit's convicting half of y'all in here now. And about the time I got over, I heard, ah! Tires squeal. Ah, ah, ah. And I turned around and they wasn't just waving. <laughs> Amen. It wasn't waving. And so, 
we got ahead of them and we're just about to turn in to the driveway. I said, oh, they're not going to catch us. I'm going to be able to turn into the church. <laughs> and I started to turn in. I put my blinker on that time. They pulled up beside us. I hope she's not in service this morning. Amen. <laughs> if she is, maybe she'll repent. <laughs> but they pulled up beside me, hanging out the window, and had an apple or something in their hand. Don't you learn how to drive? And this is the kids' version, okay? <laughs> and I told Melvin, said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Just smile. We're going to church." <laughs> you know. And I smiled and she goes, Won't you learn how to drive? And I went, Bloom just turned right into Pleasant Hill, man. I told Melvin, I said, I bet she didn't know that was a preacher she was hollering at. I didn't give a signal, but I'm not used to the car. And she didn't only do that and say a few choice words. She threw her apple core at our car and hit it on the hood and slid back in and just kept waving at me, you know. I was going... Man, I'd really hate to get her mad over something bad. Amen? But see here, that, that happens to us a lot in life. Is a, a, lot of us, a lot of us live life out of the rearview mirror. Every time God convicts you to do something, to be saved, to step up in church, you don't look out the windshield. The first thing you do is look up in the rearview mirror and He brings back your past. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Amen? Amen? A lot of us are driving to church backwards this morning. Trying to use the rearview mirror everywhere you go. Man, you're just you're going through life in your marriage and you're just curving, you're cutting people off like I did. I mean, you're just living life in the rearview mirror. Your life would be so much happier today if you would just... God says, listen, look forward. Try that. Yes, you made mistakes. Yes, we have a past. You can't change it. But Jesus said, I can. I can change the meaning of it. And if you look out that... There's a lot of churches and Christians that need to go forward. Look out the windshield. Here's what we need to do before we leave today. Everybody get your hand up here like this here and put it on your rearview mirror. Hold on to it now. Some of y'all is taller and you need to adjust it a little. Here's what I want you to do before you leave here because here's where you're at in your spiritual car. I mean, you're going to be a superhero right here real quick. Take that thing hard as you can and jerk it off the windshield. Pull the dude in the back and go home looking forward. Amen? Looking forward. Old things are passed away and all things become new. Now, you may be here today saying, Brother George, I, I can't, you can't forget your past on your own. You've got to be in a relationship with Jesus to be able to past. Amen. And if you're here this morning and you, you've never accepted Christ, now listen to me, guys. I'm not talking about church membership. That church membership don't mean nothing in heaven. That's a piece of paper. The book you need to be worried about is your name written in the book of life. That's been written in blood by Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And you say, what does that mean? At some point, at some point in your life, man, woman, child, whoever's here, husband, wife, single parent, at some point in your life, you humbled yourself somewhere and knelt down or stood, or, and it don't have to be in a church house. But you invited Jesus Christ. You said, Lord, I can't go to heaven on my own. 
Lord, my sins have separated me from that. I know there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. And Jesus, now I'm asking You to come into my heart, be my personal Savior. I want to live eternally with You. That don't mean the road's going to be flat and it's going to be perfect when I get up and leave here, but today, I need You as my Savior. You may even be here and been to church for years, and, and that may, just because you're in church don't mean that you're saved. You may be here and been a church member for years or grew up in church, but if, you, if you've been a lot of religious activity and don't have a relationship, I'm, I'm not trying to scare people, but religious activity sends people to hell. That's a, you know, if you don't have a relationship, religious activity is almost as bad as just not going to church. Because it don't mean nothing. So if you know Jesus at one point, and if you've never asked Him into your heart, what better day if the Holy Spirit's drawing you today to give your heart to Jesus? Amen? I don't care if you're a grown-up in here, church member, believe me, these children have enough faith. You say, I just can't do that today, Brother George. Listen, these little guys here, 10 years old, when the call was give, man, they come walking up. Now, they were scared to death. And I'd say, baby, what what are you coming up for today? Brother George, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. And I would walk them through it and make sure they knew what it mean. The Bible calls it childlike faith. That's why He makes it so easy. It's not about membership and going to a seven-step class to be... It's just humbling yourself and inviting Him into your heart. You may be here and want to rededicate. Maybe you're saved this morning. You've been saved. Maybe some of y'all and parents that are even here today, you used to go to church all the time when your kids were small. What happened? What happened? I'm just being serious. Hey, this is why we've got to get this generation going forward. We're going to have to hit stuff head on. Why do we quit going? Well, Brother George, the preacher left down there. There's more preachers and there's, there's a church for everybody out there. Don't let the devil excuse you plumb out of enjoying what God has for you. Amen? Let's all stand quietly. Heavenly Father, I pray today. Lord, as we prepare for the invitation here today, Lord, I pray that You spoke to every heart in here today. Man, woman, boy, girl, little child, grown-up, grandparents. We all need to come to the realization this morning, without You, we're nothing. Without You in our lives and our Savior, everything I got is nothing but just rubbish. Because in 50 years, 75 years, even 100 years, everything I work for is not going to mean a thing. But the one thing that counts is do I know Christ as my Savior? And with that comes eternal life. And you may be here this morning, you may be a big crowd, and you say you're scared. And Hey, listen. When God comes to you, you don't pay attention to nobody beside you. You just make a move this morning, come straight to the altar for Christ. Count everything lost but Him. You may want to rededicate your heart. Maybe you are saved. And you've fallen away from Christ. Pray that He'll give you that hunger to get back close to Him. Maybe you want to come for baptism. Maybe you just want to pray because you're just burdened down with life. It's just burdening you so much you can't even lift your head up. Pull the rearview mirror down and look forward to the cross this morning. Boldly approach His throne of grace and say, Jesus, I can't do this no more without You. Lord, please help me to raise my family. Help me to be a better dad. Help me to be a better husband. 
Because Jesus, I can't do it without you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll move now and just convict hearts, draw us. Let us all leave here today, Lord, feeling your presence. Not only in this place, but in our hearts and new commitments for you, Lord. And we'll give you all the praise. And everyone said, Come this morning as Tim and him begin to sing. Right where you're at. Don't worry about who's on the left up, who's on the right. Just focus on what is Jesus saying to your heart today? What is Jesus wanting you to do in your life right where you're at today? Come and give it to Him at the foot of the cross.